Wednesday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. The Sunbelt regular season concluded this past Saturday, and now all that remains is a championship matchup between Coastal Carolina and Troy. Our next two episodes will be a preview series focusing on both teams playing in the championship game. In today's episode, we'll focus on the road team, Coastal Carolina, and you'll hear from Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell, as well as standout running back C.J. Beasley, before Caden and I break down this matchup from the Shauna Clears perspective. Caden, we have two very deserving teams playing for the championship this Saturday, but today we'll focus on Coastal Carolina. What has you most excited about this matchup for the Shauna Clears? This is a team that's historically been a powerhouse in this conference, and I think when coming into this matchup, one of the key question marks that we talk about a lot with Coach Chadwell, and we'll talk about, I'm sure, a lot in this episode, is the X Factor of Grayson McCall and him coming into this game. I think he's going to be a huge difference if he plays or doesn't play in this matchup, and I feel like we've seen the past two weeks what this team looks like without him, so it's going to be very curious to see if can they bounce back from that jam you win, can they tap into that championship pedigree as a team play well around whatever quarterback's playing in that game and their defense step up to the occasion like we've seen in the past. So I think a lot of this coastal success is run around Grayson McCall, but I feel like regardless of him playing or not playing, there's going to be a lot of responsibility on some other guys in this game as well. Yeah, Coastal definitely has a lot of question marks going into this game, but Caden, you bring up a great point there of the pedigree, and in big games, you like to see programs that have that pedigree. Coastal certainly has that pedigree. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you'll hear from two special guests from Coastal Carolina in today's episode. We'll start with head coach Jamie Chadwell, and then you'll hear from running back C.J. Beasley a little bit later on. Coach Chadwell has become one of the hottest coaching names, not only in the Sun Belt, but in all of college football, with his name regularly appearing on shortlist for some of the nation's most coveted jobs. After joining the program in 2017 as an offensive coordinator, he was named head coach in 2019, a position he's now served in for four seasons. In 2020, Coach Chadwell was named the AP College Coach of the Year, becoming the first Sunbelt coach to win the honor and just the third coach outside of the Power Five to do so. He's helped guide the Shants to national prominence over the past several seasons, ranking as high as number 11 in the AP poll during the fall season of 2020, all while doing it his way, a way that has included legendary locker room celebrations and even an eating contest with legend Joey Chestnut. His teams have consistently been the cream of the crop in the Sun Belt over the past several seasons. He enters the championship game needing just one win to pick up his 40th as a Division I head coach in Conway and will look for his third consecutive 10-win season. The Shawnee Clears will look to secure the program's first Sun Belt Conference title with a win over Troy on Saturday. Coach Chabo is a smooth operator. It was great talking to him, and you could just tell that he believes in his culture. He believes in his program, and a lot of that has to do with him. I remember playing at App State specifically. There was a very distinct difference in how his team operated with him at the helm and him not at the helm. So it was great to pick his brain a little bit getting into this championship matchup, and I can't wait for our listeners to be able to hear his perspective of this game and ultimately watch his team perform on Saturday as well. Coach Chadwell, thanks for joining us. And first and foremost, congratulations on becoming the first head coach to join the Frary and Smith podcast. Well, that's a uh, huge honor. That'll go down with all, all of my Coach of the Year honors is one of my most important. I'm sure it will. Uh, coach, I wanted to start uh, this morning and just talk about the overall success of this program. Uh, your program, you've consistently found yourself ranked over the last several years. You've won more games than almost any team in college football, and now you're going to appear in that third straight bowl game. Uh, But to top it all off, you're finally going to get that shot to play for a league title, something that you guys were denied in 2020 because of COVID. 
What has allowed this program to rise to that level of success over the past several years? Well, I think uh, our players obviously have, have done a fantastic job of going out there and winning those games. Uh, you know, I think from a coaching staff standpoint, we've had a lot of consistency over the last three years and, and put a culture in place, and the players have bought into that. But the players are the ones that go out and win that and um, put that on display, uh, and the credit goes to them and and um, and just what the buy-in that they've had for each other and playing for something you know, bigger than just winning. I think if you get teams to buy in to play something bigger than just winning, great things can happen. And uh, our guys have played for each other and had a lot of success doing that over the last uh, three years. Coach, another staple of your program has been that fun culture you've developed. And we've seen chainsaws in the locker room vanquishing opponents, opposing team mascots. We've seen eating contests with Joey Chestnut and obviously those mullets you had back a couple of years ago. We have to ask, where do all those ideas come from? And do they happen organically or is it something that just happens over the years? Um, through time, you know, most of them are are, are organic uh, in it because uh, we 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 assign our coaches each each week. They have a game that they have to come up with stuff stuff like that. And some of them, man, they come up with some some crazy stuff. We actually had a live animal. We didn't put that on video, but uh, we've had some crazy things. Uh, and and the main part of it is one, you want your players to have fun. Two. Uh, you know, there's a marketing part in that as well. You're trying. You know, when we when we got here, we, we coastal was nobody. Right. And and we had to try to make a name in a conference that was really, really good and tried to we had to try to create rivals. We had because we had none because everybody we were the we were, you know, everybody beat us to death. And so we and so we wanted to try to create something that was unique for us, but also, you know, tick some other people off and maybe get mad at us. And then they start focusing on coast a little bit. and You get a little rivalry going. And, and so there's a little bit of both that goes into that as far as a marketing and trying to make yourself something special and. Um, but our players have bought into that and they really enjoy those celebrations. Well, coach, you know, another thing that obviously comes with success is outside noise and opportunities. And it seems like every time a big job opens up, your name's thrown in the mix, whether it's Nebraska, Georgia Tech, even now Liberty. Um, as a guy who's consistently done things the right way throughout his career, how do you personally manage that outside noise? Well, uh, this team, you know, here is sort of used to it by now because it's happened the last, uh, you know, three years there. Um, it's hard, you know, and because you, you're trying to get guys focused on games and they and social media is obviously such a big deal. You players hear those things and it's been challenging. Um, last year wasn't as bad. The first year was a little bit this year. You know, it's been up and down a little bit, um, but uh, we, we're trying to be upfront and honest with our players. I think I think our players know how we feel about them here and that if you have success uh, at places where maybe people don't know why you have success. You know, your name gets tossed around. But uh, last time I checked, I didn't get that uh, nine-year deal that Nebraska gave Matt Rule. So I think we're okay. And Noah touched on it a little bit earlier, but in 2020, your team went 11-1. and one. You rose as high as number 11 in that AP poll. You won the East Division, but you were denied the chance to face Louisiana in an actual title game because of COVID. With that in mind, does that make this game more special, finally getting the opportunity to actually have your team compete in the championship game this weekend? I don't know if it makes it more special. You know, I mean, obviously we, in 20, we wanted to play in the championship game and, and you know, shared the championship with him that year. Uh, you know, most people forget we actually beat him head-to-head at third place. So uh, we, we take that championship a little bit differently. Uh, but, yeah, I think playing in one, for sure. You know, you, you play all year long to try to play in one. And the thing that excites me about this one, Caden, is this is the new Sun Belt, if that's what we call it. You know, you got 14 teams, and so we have – we have an opportunity uh, for the very first year to to be the champion of the of the, of the Sun Belt from that standpoint. That's a it's a huge deal, and, and to play in that championship game there. And so 
we don't take that lightly. They're hard to get to, um, and uh, when it's hard, and and so we're we're very appreciative of having the opportunity to be in it. Now, Coach, you mentioned the new Sun Belt, and for those of us covering the league, it's been surprising to see the lack of national recognition that Sun Belt teams have gotten this season. The league has nine teams with six or more wins, two 10-win teams, but yet not a single program is currently ranked in the top 25. Why has that happened? You know what? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I think um, when we made this move, and I say the move, uh, the Sun Belt added those teams, uh, you know, we've put some really good teams in here that have great traditions and fan bases, and, and we beat each other up a little bit. Uh, especially on the east side, you know, on the east side of the, the west there, uh, South Alabama and Troy both went in 10 is impressive. Uh, you know, Southern Miss got to six, Louisiana, you know, had a, for them, had a down year, you know, so, uh, um, but I, I don't know why nationally we've not gotten um, more recognition for uh, the type of football that's played here. You know, part of it, I guess, you know, you, you beat another name and maybe they get they go eight and three or whatever they are, eight and four, and everybody thinks, well, they're not that good. And you beat a Texas A&M, and everybody knows how much talent they have. They don't, And so when you b- get some of those big wins, those teams end up uh, maybe not having the type of years you want them to have. I think people look at that, oh, they're just not that good. No, the teams that beat them are pretty good. Uh, and the other teams in this league are good. And I, I, think, I think we need to continue to – to push that narrative that anybody in our league, if you look from top to bottom, I think top to bottom, our league, um, we've got teams that can go anywhere in this country and play with anybody. I believe that from the top to bottom. Uh, and we just got to continue to push the narrative there that uh, this league is the best G5 in the country. And one of those new teams that has entered the conference this season is newcomer James Madison, who your team suffered a difficult loss to last week. And they're now kind of the self-proclaimed kings, I guess, of the East side because they can't play in this championship game. Despite that, you guys will play in this title game. What areas are you looking to improve on as a team headed into this biggest game of the season? What it, what it truly is, the biggest game of the season with the championship coming up? Well, if you, you judge us from last week, I don't know if we have enough time to, com- to improve everything that sucked last week, to be honest with you guys. Um, but... Um, you know the 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 challenge that that we have when you're when you play without your best player at your quarterback, um, you got to play well around your backup, right? And you got to play complimentary football. And we dropped some passes, we had some untimely penalties, we had a couple busted coverages, and and so those are things that normally we've done a good job with is controlling what we can, you know, from a, from that perspective. And so we got it. We got to play uh, and do the things that we can control. Obviously, James Mass really good. Troy's really good. They're going to make plays. Uh, but we don't need to help them, and I think we helped them. And when you help when you help teams like that, and then as good as they are, it starts snowballing. So for us, uh, we got to go handle the things that we can control our emotions. I thought last week was the first time in a long time that uh, you know we were down at halftime and had opportunities to, to in the first half to actually you know make some more plays. But then after halftime, it was like okay, game's over. We're down thirteen points. Game's over. We're, we're just looking forward to next week, and that and. Uh, we played like a team that was looking forward to next week instead of a team that had no, no other week left. And uh, typically that's not who we are. So we've got to, we got to get back to playing with that type of uh, mindset. Let's transition to this championship game and focus on it a little bit more. You have a great group. You have an experienced leaders, some seniors. You also have some underclassmen who have been some really big role players for this team. And this Saturday is going to be a huge opportunity for all of them alike. What's your message been to this group headed into this game this week? Just uh, want to enjoy enjoy the the um, opportunity. You know, don't make it game big. It is a championship game. It's the last one. Obviously, you know, you got bowl game. But it's the last one. It's a championship game. But don't make it bigger than it is. Don't make the moment bigger than it is. That we don't have to go down there and play a perfect game to win. You know, we just got to do the things that we we can play and go out and, and try to play our best. 
Uh, I think sometimes when you get in games like this, you try to make them so emotional. Uh, and we can't allow the emotion to use us. We have to use the emotion for good. And that's what we've, we've tried to share. And, um, and it's get our guys to understand that uh, we're not who we were last week. That's a, that was an aberration. Uh, who we are is what you know we put in place for nine games this year uh, and the way we played, and that's the team that just needs to show up. Now, Coach, it's just the three of us here, and we couldn't let you get through a whole interview without asking, um, how is Grayson McCall doing health-wise? Do you expect him to play? And if he doesn't or is limited, what do guys like Jared Guest and Bryce Carpenter need to do for you guys to be successful on Saturday? He's out of his boot, uh, and uh, we're hoping that um, you know he continue to improve. Last week was three weeks. Sat last Saturday was three weeks, and he wasn't ready to go in three weeks. It was three to six, uh, and he's made progress every week. Um, you know, as of right now, I would tell you no, he's not playing um, based off of what we've seen so far because he's not had an opportunity to really practice. You know, and if he if he gets his foot healthy, but he's not practiced in, at all, then I don't know if that helps this team. Period. Right, so if he's not practicing by Wednesday of this week, um, I don't know if he can play. Even if they say hey, he's healthy, because he's he'll be too rusty. And so Bryce and Jarrett, they they've got a they've got a one you know manage manage our offense uh, and the plays that are there to be made, they got to make. You know we 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 miss some of those where we had opportunities to to put some points on the board. We missed some by just just by not. Uh, getting the protection right or what, vice versa. We're not asking them to be Grayson McCall. They got to be what they are. Um, but there's going to be some plays to make. We got to make them, but we got to play better around them too. Everybody's got to uplift their game. Grayson's been a big part of this offense, obviously, all year, but so is this rushing attack that you guys have. And whether it's the stable of running backs, you have the quarterbacks, even the wide receivers as the pitch guy on sweeps, you kind of get everybody involved in this running game. And you recently got Braden Bennett back and Aaron Bedgood back as well from injury. You've leaned on the run game a lot with Grayson's absence. Should we expect to see more of that on Saturday if he's not playing? And overall, just how have you found so much great success in the run game throughout the season with this scheme? Well, we we have to definitely run the ball regardless. Grayson plays or he doesn't. We have to try to uh, run the ball well enough to, to control the line of scrimmage and not let our quarterbacks just get teed off on. You know, I, I think last week, if you look last week, we started, we were running the ball with, with some efficiency and doing some things, and then it just – you know, after that, after sort of in the after the second quarter, going into the third quarter, we just sort of struggled with a lot of things. And if we can continue to put our guys in position to to run it, control the clock, set up some play actions, that gives whoever our quarterback is a better chance. Uh, our big challenge now is we finally got some of our running backs back. They haven't practiced a lot, so we're trying to – you get used to the rhythm with your other guys, and then, you know, in a, in a row, in a routine, then you get those other guys trying to figure out when to plug them in, how to get them the ball, and – Sometimes you're trying to force the ball to them, and, and it doesn't come organically, and that's been that's been challenging for us. Um, but we know we have to try to be creative with with our scheme and different ways to get guys the ball, whether that's receivers or or our backs or whoever it may be. Uh, and we've been fortunate enough for, uh, for the most part to try to get them, whether it's a pitch, whether it's a swing, just trying to get guys in space to make some plays. And we've had some success doing that. Um, and we're going to have our biggest challenge this week because of how well they are defensively. Uh, of trying to be creative enough to get those guys the football. Coach, you'll appreciate this. I'm calling an audible a little bit here on Caden, but I, I follow up to that question. Um, how big has C.J. Beasley been to this team this year? We're going to talk to him a little bit later on in this episode. He's a guy who was down on the depth chart and has had to step into a big role. How big has he been to this team's success? Well, he he carried us, you know, a lot, especially early. We 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 lost uh, we lost two we lost a back in, in preseason, and then a very 
third play of the game, we lost another one. So we went from having some depth, what we thought was our most depth to heart having any. And then, and then game uh, three, I think we lost our other guy. So CJ had to carry us there for about four or five, six weeks where we didn't have anybody with any type of experience except him. And he was able to put some really good play out there for us. He, he did a good job of, of taking care of the ball, did a good job of being a leader for us. Uh, and there's no way that we would be in this position without him playing at the level he did and help us try to get through uh, that challenge there. Because, you know, if he'd have been hurt, you know, if he'd have got hurt through that or anything, we'd have been done because we had really nobody to hand the ball off to. And um, he's been a tremendous force, a, an unsung hero um, because of what he was able to do during that time frame when we needed somebody to step up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to transition and talk a little bit about Troy's offense. And they're a team that has morphed this season. They were a pass-first attack early on, and now they've developed one of the more lethal rushing attacks. Uh, what are some of the keys for your defense to slow down that Troy rushing attack that's rushed for over 250 yards in their last two games? Yeah, they've been tremendous uh, there. And their running back, uh, Vidal Kamani, is phenomenal. You know, and we've got to, we've got to try to make them one-dimensional, no doubt. we got we got to say, hey, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us throwing the ball. Uh, which has not been our strong suit in secondary. We've struggled there a little bit. But uh, if they're able to rush the ball uh, the way they've been capable of, it's going to be a long day for us because then uh, then they can do basically anything they want. we got to try to uh, load that box, try to make them force them into taking some more shots downfield and see if we can, see if we can uh, let the quarterback beat us consistently. I think that's the biggest challenge we have. But they're, they're playing physical. They're playing with – I mean, it's, their defense is really good, so they're playing to their defensive strengths. Let's run the ball, milk the clock. And it's going to be hard for an offense to to really drive on the defense, which is what's happening. Uh, we're going to have to force some turnovers if we're going to have a chance to win. And switching sides of the ball for, with Troy, I'm a defensive guy. I love watching great defense. And Troy has one of those, I'd say, three levels, whether you look up front and the linebacking core and the secondary, just top to bottom. They're probably one of the better units in the conference I've seen in the past few years. They're super disciplined in gap sound. They're great at communicating and limiting those explosive plays, really think everything you'd want from a defense. What have you seen from those guys on film, and how are you planning on attacking them on offense this week? Well, uh, you, you hit it on the uh, nail on the head there. They're they're good at all three levels. Sometimes you get a group that's really good in the front, but maybe not as good in the secondary. They do a great job, and they're physical at all three levels. To me, is the biggest thing that I've noticed. They're very experienced, even though it's a new coach. They're very experienced. They've had a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. They've got uh, quite a few super seniors. Cart Marshall seems like he's been there since uh, Odark thirty, and uh, he's phenomenal. They got great leaders, uh, and they're physical. They do a fantastic job, and We've got to do a good job of trying to formation to where we know what they're in and then try to attack that, you know, they because they give you a bunch of different looks. Uh, and what hurt if you go in a bunch of different formations, then it challenges you because you're you're giving your guys a bunch of different looks. We've got to really limit our formations and know how we need to attack them and, tr and try to win that way and, and force them to sort of to try to defend some of us instead of the other way around. That's going to be our big key. Well, Coach, before we wrap up this interview, you said something interesting early on, and I just got to ask, what type of live animal did you have in the locker room? Well, uh, you're on a need-to-know basis right now, Noah, and you don't need to know that because I, I don't want Peter calling me after this interview. <laughs> I understand. Well, I appreciate that. Maybe uh, maybe sometime in off-the-record conversation, uh, you can let us know that. But, Coach, I appreciate the time and uh, definitely look forward to watching you guys play on Saturday. Wish you guys the best of luck and looking forward to a great Sunbelt Championship game. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me on.
Wow, Caden, what a fun interview that was. First time that we've had a head coach on the podcast, and it did not disappoint. I found the news that he shared about Grayson McCall particularly interesting in this episode, and certainly that'll be something to keep an eye on moving closer towards Saturday. And Caden, I have to admit, I still have a lot of curiosity about that live animal in the locker room. I really want to know what type of animal that was, so we're going to have to dig into that. But Caden, he talked a lot about the run game in this one and how big it was going to be. Yeah, the run game is huge for this team and a staple like we talked about with Jamie. And I feel like it was a very night and day performance we saw without Grayson McCall in their past two games. When you look at the Southern Miss game versus the James Madison game, they're going up against a fearsome defense in Troy. We talked about with Jamie how running backs like C.J. Beasley have been able to take a step this year and really take a lot of that rushing load. It's going to be very interesting to see how he and the cast of other characters that they like to hand the ball to perform in this matchup. Well, before we get to our next guest, here's a quick reminder. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you like what you hear in today's episode, consider leaving us a quick review and telling us your favorite part of today's episode. Finally, don't forget to follow us on our Twitter page at and Smith, where we consistently post what I personally think is some of the best Sunbelt football-focused content out there. Caden, our final guest on this Coastal Carolina preview episode burst onto the scene this year. After redshirting last year, or as a freshman, I beg your pardon, running back C.J. Beasley saw limited carries last year. He still found a way, though, to make an impact on last year's team that finished 11-2, and a, a way that I know is near and dear to your heart on special teams, all while making the most out of his opportunities carrying the football. This year, due in part to a rash of injuries in the Shants running back room, C.J., who had bulked up in the offseason, got his opportunity to be the Clears featured back. He's a soft-spoken individual, but his electric play does all the talking. You may remember back in week five, he gave us one of the most iconic moments of the Sunbelt regular season when he completed the Myrtle Hurdle to down Georgia Southern in Conway. He enters Saturday's championship game as the Sean's leading rusher, responsible for 672 yards on the ground and four touchdowns this year. He's turned himself, Caden, into one of the premium running back talents in the conference, and we'll look to showcase that on Saturday in hopes of propelling Coastal Carolina to their first Sunbelt Conference title. Another great guest is a very interesting journey he had, obviously, coming into this season. I don't think anybody or even CJ really expected him to perform this way, but it was great to talk to the one and only Myrtle Hurdler, and we learned in this interview as well that that's something he's been doing for quite a while. He's definitely a humble guy. It was great talking to him, and let's just get to our interview with CJ Beasley and get the people what they want and get them to hear this guy right heading up, up into this Big game he has coming up. Happy to be talking to the one and only Coastal running back, the top guy for them, toting the rock for them this year, heading into the championship game. It's none other than CJ Beasley. How you doing, CJ? Good. How are you? Doing good. Happy to have you. So coming out of high school, you're from Virginia. You're a three-star recruit, and you committed to Coastal Carolina kind of before they really got that national notoriety and that hype. What were some of those factors that led into your decision to choose Coastal to be your college of choice? Uh, when I came here, you know, I seen like the, the atmosphere, and I felt like very comfortable. And it was more down south and closer to my family, uh, both sides from Virginia and Florida. So I just had a feeling this was going to be the spot. And luckily, you know, when I got here, uh, they turned over a new leaf. And, you know, you know, you didn't get a lot of opportunity to play across your freshman and sophomore year, CJ, uh, or really to run the football. You played on special teams and we'll get into that in a moment. But in this era of the transfer portal, you obviously would have had the ability to leave. What made you stick it out and stay at Coastal Carolina? 
Yeah, see, I've never been the type to transfer schools. I've always had, like, in my head, and I prayed, you know, God has a plan for me, so I just have to wait uh, wait my turn and be patient. And I, I knew the time was going to come eventually. I was going to be able to uh, showcase my talent. It's good stuff. And like you and many others, I also started off my career as an underclassman on special teams trying to make a name for myself. I saw you got four tackles last year. You had that block punt. Just tell us a little bit about that journey from being a special teams guy trying to help the team out and make a name for yourself to being now the lead back of this team this season. Uh, of course, you know, coming come from high school, you know, everybody was a star at their school, so you'd be expecting to play freshman year. But, you know, I didn't get the opportunity, and I just knew, you know, I had to find somebody to get on the field. So I really embraced my role uh, on special teams. So when I got on special teams, I figured, I figured I could use that as a way to, like, you know, show people who I kind of am, you know, not without the ball, but, you know, just on other things. So I used that as uh, to my advantage. Now, CJ, most people probably don't know that you were a region champion hurdler in high school, and fans who follow the Sun Belt this season have no doubt seen the Myrtle Hurdle, where you vaulted over that Georgia Southern defender for the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, what was going through your mind on that play? I've just got to know. Uh, honestly, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. It was more like a reaction thing. Uh, it's when you know I want to give out my keys, but you know, when certain people do certain things, my body naturally reacts. And, you know, now, obviously, it looked like the defender or maybe you thought the defender was going to go low and then he stood up. You know, when did your hurdling kind of instincts kick in at that moment? Yeah, uh, coming from high school, you know, I did hurdle. So it's like natural from when I do jump, I do it like a, a hurdle form. So it makes it easier for me to like get over defenders. And he did shoot up, but, you know, I kind of kind of pushed off him a little bit. So it won't, it won't, it won't all just me, you know, it's a little bit of him, too. And me and Noah are on Twitter. We saw you have some merchandise from the Hurdle. Got some T-shirts going. Is there any way you can get us some T-shirts? We'll be at the championship game this weekend. Can we get some Myrtle Hurdle T-shirts possibly? Yeah, I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to try and get you all right. <laughs> Appreciate that. But no, talking more about you and your your journey, entering this year, you put on some weight and really became a more physical back. You were kind of burying the depth chart behind guys like Braden Bennett and Aaron Bedgood and Reese White. And then those guys went down. You stepped up in a time when the team needed. And we talked to your head coach, Jamie Chabell. He said you were kind of the unsung hero and really carried the weight of this team. How rewarding was it to see all of that hard work paid off in your increased role this season, having to fill in for those guys? It was it was great. I mean, I didn't want it to be that type of, I mean, that weight for it to happen, but, you know, God gave me an opportunity, and, you know, I just I had a feeling that it, all this time waiting this long for me to actually get an opportunity, I had to take full advantage of it. So it felt amazing. And we'll now transition to this championship game you have coming up. We've asked this question a lot to every athlete on this podcast. So we wanted to know and kind of switch it up and make it a championship version of this. But we want to know what's listening, what you're listening to before the game, what's in those headphones before you get ready for a game. So just give us what you're going to be listening to before this championship game. And maybe if you could pick a one walk-up song, if you were like a baseball player, your one hype song, what would it be? Oh, um, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I'd be listening to I listen to a variety of music. Anything that they got like a good little beat or, you know, the right words, you know, to get me right. Um, the main one, I would say, uh, is Hunger on Hillside by J. Cole. That's like a little, little pregame, pregame get right for me. And uh, the, the hype version is uh, Youngboy, um, the Viet Motors. Yeah, that, that gets me right. Well, I always uh, I always trust Caden on those song recommendations, and the the listeners can't see this, but he's shaking his head in agreement. So I'm sure those are hype songs. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you. You and Reese White have kind of carried uh, the bulk of the rushing load this season, but late in the year, you get guys like Braden Bennett and Aaron Bedgood back from injury. 
how have those guys helped you guys take what's already been an elite rushing unit and take it to another level during during this critical stretch of the season? Well, let's take it to beyond measures because now they're fast on the outside. So you're not that not only worry about the inside, you have to worry about the outside. So that really kind of spreads them out. And it also opens up the passing game too. So you don't know like what we're gonna hit you with. So I feel like that was that was great to have all the running backs back. And the offensive line position is one that often goes underappreciated, but not on this podcast here. Your team has one of the best units in the country. It's a versatile group, but that's really asked to do quite a bit just because of the scheme that y'all run. They're a big part of y'all's success, and it really shows from just how productive the running backs and really every ball carrier of this team has been able to be. You have a couple guys rushing for more than five yards per carry. What makes that unit so good at what they do up front? Uh, I feel like, so they're always uh, underestimated. You know, they think because, you know, we're a little bit smaller than everybody else. You know, we're not going to be able to pick up the blocks, make the right blocks. But our offensive line got hard. You know what I mean? They come, they play big. So they always make the holes. They they have a um, like a little pride thing. They don't want us to get touched. So they're going to go in the game, you know, with some, with some up on the back. Also, the receivers, too, though. We can't forget about receivers. The receivers be blocked, too. So they be making the downfield blocks, you know, the safety blocks. So we have them big plays. Yeah, I think that's a great point you just brought up because I think everyone is required to block in this coastal offensive scheme. So I'm sure you've even sprung uh, some big blocks in your career. But, you know, Coastal Carolina, CJ, has been known for their strong linebacking cores uh, with players like Silas Kelly and Teddy Gallagher in the past. And then this year, you've seen guys like Josiah Stewart and Shane Bruce, JT Killen. Uh, you've definitely met them in the hole a few times at practice, I'm sure. What's it like practicing against those guys, and how has it helped you improve your game? Uh, it's great. You know, they're like one of the top guys in the, in the conference. So when I'm practicing against that daily, you know, I feel like I'm always going to get the best competition. So that makes me better as a player. And, uh, you know, they also have some big shoes to fill, and I feel like they feel that. So they get that, they're getting their name out there and like, help me get mine out there. Talking a little bit about this defense you'll be facing this weekend, in Troy, it's really one of the best front sevens in the conference, and they play downhill. They're very gap sound. They're led by Carlton Marshall, which is a name I'm sure you've you've heard this season before. How do you feel like your team matches up with Troy's defensive front, and how do you and the other ball carriers plan on being successful in this one? I feel like you know, coming off of, of the game that we just had, you know, we got something to prove now. People are underestimating us, so I know we're up for the challenge. You know? So we're gonna go in there, you know, head high, you know, good proud on the side, you know, get ready. To- given what they they want. I get that, and I know we're excited to see that. I wanted to ask you, obviously this game's being played in Troy, but CJ, we ask a lot of athletes on this podcast what there is to do in their towns, and so I want to hear from your mouth. What are some of the best things, if we came to visit Conway, South Carolina, what is CJ Beasley telling us we need to do? Oh, of course, you know, beach. I mean, like, you're right next to the beach. You got to go to the beach. Um, I say go to Big Mike's. They got some good soul food. Soul food is delicious. I can't. I can't even lie about that. Um, I think those like the, the real main two. So I, other than that, I don't really get out. I just being being a house, uh, playing a game, working out, stuff like that. So you said uh, you said you like to play a game in the house. What what types of video games are popping these days for you? Oh, of course, Modern Warfare. You know, when it just came out, it's a good one. Uh, Madden. I'm not as good, but you know, I'm getting I'm getting back right. I'm not as good as I used to be, but I'm getting back right. Um, Probably like 2K. Are there any uh, any of the teammates you play? I know we talked with Josiah Stewart earlier this year. He was a big gamer. Any of the guys on this team you like to chop it up with on video games? Oh, oh, I like everybody. You know, I like I like to talk talk trash. Even if even if I'm sorry, you know, I'm going there like I'm like I'm like that. You know, just to talk trash. Um, not going to call him out, but you know, Reese, I got him in, in the last Madden game. You know, 
yeah, that, that kind of got under the skin. I love that. Well, we appreciate the inside details there and uh, definitely wish you good luck in this championship game. Caden and I are going to be in town to watch it. Looking forward to watching you shine on that field and, and seeing Coastal Carolina play well. Okay. Thank you so much. Another great interview on this podcast. And Caden, what I found particularly refreshing to hear was his desire to stick around and finish what he started at Coastal Carolina. We've talked a lot on this podcast and we're in the month of late November, early December. The transfer portal is popping, but I found that really neat to hear. Also love just his glowing review of the offensive line. He's clearly a kid that understands that you don't run the football without the big guys, the big nasties in front of you. Yeah, and we love the show Offensive Line Love on this podcast whenever we can, and he liked to do it too. But you you touched on it, and you hit the nail on the head. I think this era we're in now with the transfer portal and NIL, it's harder for players to really put their head down, work, and stay at a program when things don't go their way. And I think a true testament to that is why he came to Coastal Carolina. He came here before the school was as popular as it is now, and it's more of a national name. And I think that's kind of just attributes to why he stayed and why he was along for the ride. And you see that it clearly worked out with him for his hard work on special teams and off the field coming to light in this game. So very excited to watch him and this whole group who I think also really kind of has that same mindset at Coastal Carolina. A lot of like-minded individuals bought into the culture competing this weekend. Well, let's talk about the game this weekend and particularly from that Coastal Carolina perspective. Caden, this is a team they enter nine and two. They're appearing in their first Sunbelt title game after not getting the opportunity in 2020 due to the COVID issues in their program. They're trying to win 10 plus games in their third straight season, and they will be playing for the first time since losing 47 to 7 to James Madison to end the regular season. Caden, when we watched that game against the Dukes, uh, the, the big glaring hole has been the hole that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. That's the questions at quarterback. And Coach Chadwell said that he thinks Grayson McCall is probably out. Now, things could change down the stretch of this week, but that would be a huge loss. He's the reigning Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year, a 21-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio. Like You don't see those numbers in college football, over 2,300 passing yards, responsible for 25 touchdowns. First of all, Caden, do you believe him? Is Grayson not going to play in this game? And if Grayson doesn't, what does guys like Jared Guest and Bryce Carpenter need to do after struggling a little bit against James Madison in that final game of the regular season? It's tough to say because Coach Chabell is a straight shooter. You want to take his word for it when he says that Grayson McCall's not playing in this game, but also it's a championship game. It's a big game. He might be keeping his cards close to him, and we might see Grayson McCall play in this game. Regardless of who plays a quarterback in this game, you hit it right on the head. Grayson's value can't be emphasized enough. I mean, his numbers and his production speaks for itself when he's at the helm. And I've been calling this guy the point guard and the maestro of the offense. And I feel like I really say that because he kind of speaks more to the intangibles. You think about point guards in basketball and how they might not be the best physical specimen. You think of guys like Chris Paul, but when they're running the offense, it runs as efficiently as it possibly can. You can look at guys across the country, CJ Stroud, Hendon Hooker, even guys within the conference like Todd Centeno. They're not going to be able to run this offense despite their physical tools as well as Grayson McCall is. It's not a plug and play type of thing. So if he's not playing in this one, I think that's going to be a huge loss for this team that we have seen now in the past couple of weeks. You look at a Jared Guest and a Bryce Carpenter, you combine those guys and they're not really going to compare to what Grayson McCall brings to the table by himself. But I think the good news for Coastal is the offensive system is so strong that it's not really re- unrealistic to just say, hey, if Jared Guest can play like Grayson McCall, as close to to him as he can, 
they'll be a better off team and this could be a very competitive game for them because Grayson doesn't do anything too ridiculous. He plays within the system. He's very accurate. He's very decisive. I mean, this whole season, Grayson only turned the ball over one time. Jared Guest in two weeks has thrown four interceptions. So just take care of the ball and make it the good decisions that you have to make in this offense. And I think that's going to be there for them. And then, of course, like Jamie Chowbell said, have some guys play around him, play better, have the run game going, have the receivers catch all those balls and throw in Carpenter as a changeup to take some weight off of Jared Guest. But obviously a huge hole with Grayson McCall not playing, but it's a system where you can have a Jared Guest come in and have your offense still run at a high level. Caden, I, you know, I want to kind of rephrase my question about do you believe Jamie Chadwell? Because I believe he thinks that he's not going to play at this point of the week. But I think the competitor in Grayson McCall is going to go to him at some point this week and say, I'm playing in this game, whether I'm at 80%, whether I'm at 70%. But 70% of Grayson McCall could be a difference. So I'm looking out for that. But say he can't play. I think they really need to lean on the run game in this one. And they have a stable of running backs for the first time all year. This is a team that has four healthy running backs. We talked about, or we talked to CJ Beasley earlier on in this episode. Him and Reese White have over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns this year. But you get guys like Aaron Bedgood and Braden Bennett back from injuries. Uh, this is a coastal team. They run the football really well 163 yards per game with six during the regular season. And if Grayson can't play, they're going to need to rely on that a little bit more. They're going to have to lean on that 100%, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how guys like Bedgood and Bennett be able to work themselves back into this offense. The past two weeks, they haven't got a ton of carries just because they are getting their legs back. They are coming back from injury, but this whole season, you've been leaning on C.J. Beasley and Reese White to do what you need to do, and you can't be afraid to still do that if you need to. I think if I'm personally calling this game, I'm a play caller, if I'm in charge of the running back rotation, you have a deep backfield. You have a lot of talent might just have to go with the hot hand in this one. It's a championship game, and whoever's running the ball best might deserve those touches. All those guys are going to be running as hard as they can and selling out, but you do have to just throw that game against JMU behind you. I mean, Jared Guest was the leading rusher in that game as far as attempts go. You have to change some stuff up there, but I think because they have so much depth there and so much talent, they're going to have the, all the weapons at their disposal. It's going to be about which one's hot, can we play the ones at the right time, and which one's the most effective against this Troy defense. Caden, with your answer right there, I don't know. Did you know that there's a defensive coordinator job open up at App State right now? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe gonna, Coach Clark needs to give you a holler. We're going to plead the fifth on that one, Noah. We'll save that for the offseason talk. Yeah, I think, I think that's wise. Caden, uh, if there's one unit in this game that I really think could be the X-Factors, it's this wide receiver core. This was supposed to be one of the weaker units on this team this year and the reason for that is you lose guys like Javon Hiley, Cameron Brown, Isaiah Likely, all guys that you had to guard last year when you were playing for App State but they've responded with guys like Sam Pinckney and Jared Brown, Tyson Mobley. They have all stepped up nearly 2,000 yards and 11 touchdowns for that trio. That's another group when Coach Chadwell was talking about players that need to step up around the quarterback that I really think could make a huge difference in this game. Yeah, look, that duo of Heilig and Likely last year, it was a huge loss for this team. I mean, you saw in the games that they had last year and years previous, you could just line up in a personnel, have those guys in the boundary with just a tight end and a wide receiver, run basic route concepts. And Grayson McCall would just look over there and make the right read. And one of those guys was going to get open. It was a big loss. It was a huge part, the bread and butter really of their passing game last year. But this group they have this year, it's not 
as elite of a route runner of those guys or not as good as getting separation of those guys, but they're all very capable and have all been very productive. And I think you have guys like Sam Pickney, who is a veteran. You have Jared Brown, who's a young weapon with speed. You have a lot of different versatility you can use in this game with these wide receivers and the system like we've talked about is going to do well if the players play well within the system. I think you look at a guy like Jared Brown in this one, I think he out of the receivers is going to be the biggest X factor. He leads this team in touchdown catches with five, but he's kind of been in a drought lately. He had four straight weeks where he was getting one touchdown or more, but then the last four, he hasn't had one at all. I think if this team can get him in the end zone and establish him as a threat in this one early, that'll be huge for Jared Guest or whoever's playing quarterback in this game and just be a big thing against this Troy defense that's proven to limit explosive plays. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. Uh, We'll get into those explosive plays a little bit later on. But, Caden, third down is going to be a key in this game, and particularly for Coastal Carolina. They come into this matchup the second best in the league, converting third downs at nearly 44%. Um, they need to, though, do a better job here early on in this game, and it's easier said than done against this Troy defense, but creating third and manageables by getting some early down success, whether it's from the running game or screen pass type plays. Yeah, that'll be huge. And the lovely thing about this offense is it's a very good third down offense just because or sorry, very good third and manageable offense, really, just because of how the offensive scheme works. And it's very good at stretching the defense east and west and making it to where the defense has to defend and worry about a lot. And that opens things up where you can just kind of do a lot of things, show a lot of eye candy for the defense. And then on third down, if you're manageable, just run the ball straight down the middle. It'll work for you. Use some of those sweeps and some of those quick passes to work for you. So I think that's the good thing about this offense. But you touched on it you have to get in those third and manageable situations first and foremost. So if this team can run the ball well on first and second down and get in more of those third and manageable situations, I think they will be fine just because of the scheme they run. But the the question is going to be up front, can they get that push? Can they protect for just long enough? And can they be good on first and second down to set up a team that's really built for third down success? Okay, let's switch sides of the football here and talk defense for Coastal Carolina. I know that's something you always enjoy talking about, but, um, you know, CJ Beasley talked about it and it was the strength of this linebacker core for Coastal Carolina. It's been kind of their calling card this year. Guys like JT Killen, Josiah Stewart, Shane Bruce, uh, Killen's top 10 in the conference in sacks this year. They are in the top half of the league in terms of run prevention, but it's not going to be easy against a Troy team that really has found an identity built in the run game. Yeah, that matchup with Troy's running backs that are just a big stocky bunch that's hard to bring down in this Coastal Carolina linebacking core is going to be an interesting one to watch. I think they've been playing well all season. I think it's not really ridiculous to say that their linebacking core has been the strength of this defense because up front they've had their good days and bad days and I think that their linebacking core has done a great job of really cleaning things up for this defense even if maybe the gaps aren't right and things aren't going their way and that's just been a staple of this team I think that if you look at them traditionally the linebackers have kind of been passed down this mantle of high expectations and they've been meeting it so far with guys like JT Killen with guys like Shane Bruce so definitely excited to watch these guys and they're going to have a big responsibility as a defense just because They've been the group that's been producing for them all year at a high clip. So in this championship game, they're going to have high expectations as well. And they're going to need to be as consistent as they've been all year if they want a chance of winning this one. Okay, and last thing I've got on this matchup, last thing to keep an eye on, has just been the coverage struggles this year. And I need you to break that down for me a little bit for Coastal Carolina. They are a team that's giving up 279 yards per game through the air. When you look back to last year, they were the best in that category, about 190 yards per game. Uh, They're one of four teams that have less than 10 interceptions forced this year. What's led to some of the coverage struggles for this Coastal defense this season? 
Well, it's a big surprise. And I think that you touched on it. It's a talented group. This isn't a group that doesn't have the talent, how wide the talent on the back end to really guard anybody and have a reason to be the worst pass defense in the conference. You look at all conference talent like DeJordan Strong. You have a big physical corner and a captain of this team like Lance Boykin. Pay safety position for this team hasn't really been a strong suit ever. Historically, those guys have kind of just known where to be and have really stopped explosive plays. And they've rotated that position group a ton with guys like Charles Arnold, with Toby Fletcher, with Josh Madison. You've seen a lot of different guys play at the safety position, but I feel like overall, it's just really been lapses in coverage and lapses on the back end mentally. This team physically, I think, can really match up well against this Troy defensive backfield. But I think they're just going to have to lock in, not get lulled to sleep by some of the rushing game and the play action attacks and really just play their best game they need to play in this one because it's not what what a better time than the conference championship game to do that. I feel like physically they match up quite well outside. It's really just going to be up top. It's going to be mentally. Can they lock in and can they stay on top of things and can they limit those explosive plays that we saw last week in games like JMU and other games that have kind of gotten the best of this team? Well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if they can do that in this contest. Obviously, Troy's a very good team, and we'll get more into them on Friday's episode. But that'll do it for another jam-packed episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Jamie Chadwell, CJ Beasley, and Assistant Athletic Director Kevin Davis for helping make this episode happen. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Friday for the final episode of our Sunbelt Championship Preview Series where we'll highlight the Troy Trojans. We'll speak with head coach John Summerall and standout linebacker Carlton Marshall as we get you ready for Saturday's big game. Again, thanks for taking time to listen today. If you like what you heard on this episode of the Frary and Smith podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss another episode. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We love hearing what y'all think. Finally, take a moment to follow the show on our Twitter page at at Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.